Welcome to Your Own Words, a podcast that celebrates the love of reading with real people and real books, both critically acclaimed and slated. Listeners are encouraged to read along and join the journey to the libraries of friends newly discovered. This podcast may contain spoilers, feminist rants, curse words and mispronunciations of names, cities and more. just got off a plane from Italy like a couple hours ago I think and came straight to the <laughs> studio hours ago? listen I don't know what language I'm speaking anymore sounded like cowpo ciao uh, buongiorno ça va that's French bollocks <laughs> that that is universal yeah fair um yeah I just got off a plane from Italy to come and record this podcast <laughs> your dedication to yeah. the cause is I, I got on the tube I mean honestly yeah that's worse it's not pleasant that's much much worse than quite it was really busy really yeah even in like the middle of the middle of the day on whatever day of the week this is Wednesday I don't know I'm sorry about that Ugh. yeah so uh Italy pasta wine pizza, pizza. Um, I'm now just that's kind of it right? I'm very that's it that's yeah. it some churches carbs and alcohol carbs alcohol churches nice uh, yeah so I ticked all the boxes it was great <laughs> Italy's done Italy well that was my third time in Italy <laughs> but yeah uh, Italy is great that is it. how you do it uh, so uh, yes grazie mille uh, Milano for having me and I'll see you soon probably hopefully maybe cool cool uh, have you been up to anything while I was in Italy? I haven't. I haven't been to Milan. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did go to Chipping Barnet. Wow! Yeah, right? How was that? Um, cold. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds amazing. Yeah. Fantastic news. Yeah. Um, we've got a very exciting guest situation we today we have an internationalist Interna- international should- team stranger <laughs> international <laughs> team stranger oh god that's the worst kind uh only because it's yeah it's absolutely terrifying we've yeah. never met her or spoken to her and we're about to ring her up on skype and mm. uh talk about books Yay. but she seems to be a, a girl after her own heart she has a similar vibe going on yeah she so also likes to hear cool why people, people love books <laughs> <laughs> hey stranger yeah yeah um, so uh, let's get her on the phone and see what happens. Dive, dive in. Yeah. Okay, so I am introducing the author today. Um, originally from San Francisco, Chloe Benjamin is a graduate of Vassar College and received an MFA in fiction from the University of Wisconsin. She is the author of two novels, The Anatomy of Dreams and the New York Times bestseller, The Immortalist. The Anatomy of Dreams received the Edna Ferber Fiction Book Award and was long-listed for the 2014 Centre for Fiction First Novel Prize, whilst The Immortalist was named a Best Book of 2018 by NPR, The Washington Post, Entertainment Weekly, and many others. She currently lives in Madison, Wisconsin. Mm, I love Wisconsin. Yeah, I've never been. She has a really nice website where she tells you what she's currently reading and some of her favourite quotes, which I liked. Mm. Um, and there were a lot of books in the 2019 list that I had not even heard of. So oh, that's, excellent. that's a cool place to find your next read. Great. Another, yeah, another place. From the author's mouth. <laughs> All right. I will tell you about 
which one of those two books which we are discussing today. Um, so the book we are talking about today is The Immortalists. January 21st, 2044. Her voice is matter of fact, as if she's stating the temperature or the winner of the ball game. You got plenty of time. It's 1969 and holed up in a grimy tenement building in New York's Lower East Side is a traveling psychic who claims to be able to tell anyone the date they will die. The four gold children, too young for what they're about to hear, sneak out to learn their fortunes. Over the years that follow, the siblings must choose how to live with the prophecies the fortune teller gave them that day. Will they accept, ignore, cheat, or defy them? Golden boy Simon escapes to San Francisco searching for love. Dreamy Clara becomes a Las Vegas magician. Eldest son Daniel tries to control fate as an army doctor after 9-11, and bookish Varia looks to science for the answers she craves. A sweeping novel of remarkable ambition and depth, The Immortalists is a story about how we live, how we die, and what we do with the time we have. Waterstones. That's a good synopsis. Yeah. That's much better than the back of the book. Yeah, I really liked yeah. it. Um, and over to today's guest. Steph Kent is a writer and multimedia producer based in New York City. She is co-founder of Call Me Ishmael, first a website, now an interactive literary installation, and soon to be a book. She holds a BA in playwriting and literature from Emerson College and considers herself both a lover and a fighter. A fighter. Yay, welcome to the show, Steph. Thank you for having me, guys. We're very happy to have you. We are very excited about yeah. this. Me too. So thanks. Thanks for waking up nice and early. So you're you're in New York right now. We're in London. So we've got five hours between us. So we appreciate uh, you sharing your coffee with us while we uh, while we prepare to go to the pub. <laughs> no, nothing bad has happened in the future so far. So you're okay. Yeah. Like you have a lot to look forward to. It's, it's really nice here at three o'clock. Great to hear. <laughs> um. So welcome. This is so exciting. So obviously, uh, as Beck. Uh, so kindly introduced you. you you're you not our average guest. You're actually up to something super big and super in line with what we're up to. Um, do you want to tell us a bit, uh, basically, we we started this podcast in a pub and we hear that Call Me Ishmael, uh, you and, uh, and your co-founder started it in a pub. Do you want to tell our listeners a bit about how it came to be and, and, and what it is? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my partner Logan and I were in the White Horse Tavern in the West Village in New York City where we live. And we were just throwing back a few pints and talking about books. And um, the conversation actually got started on our favorite first sentences of books. We both have this um, sort of weird shared passion of like, checking first sentences of books like it's how we browse in bookstores and libraries and whenever one of us is reading something it's always oh what's the first sentence and we just really value great first sentences and so of course the conversation turned to arguably the most famous first sentence which is from Moby Dick by Herman Melville and the sentence is call me Ishmael and we just sort of like spotted a pun in that we also love bad jokes and puns and so we just started um uh, brainstorming playing around with the idea that what if Ishmael had a cell phone and it was actually call me comma Ishmael <laughs> and um, just sort of started like imagining like what that could be as a project we both work in media so we're always looking for cool different ways to tell stories and um, tried out a couple things but basically came to this concept that um, we set up a voicemail box and like gave Ishmael a cell phone and asked people to call and leave him a message about books that they love 
and really quickly we got hundreds and hundreds and by now thousands of calls of people talking about books that are really meaningful in their lives and the thing that's interesting about the project is we get a couple of calls that are like you know just flat out endorsements and recommendations but the vast majority of them are actually stories about books and you know we'll get like a ton of calls about um Pride and Prejudice, but nobody ever has the same story about it. Somebody will call and talk about how they got it as a gift and they always remember this experience of opening it up and what the cover looked like. And then someone will talk about reading it when they were going through a breakup and somebody else will talk about a tattered copy of it that they found uh, under a park bench somewhere. And it's just become this really beautiful celebration of reading. So we take these anonymous voicemails, um, we type up the transcripts of them on our vintage typewriter and uh, post them online as videos. I love that so much. And Beck is very smug right now because you mentioned Pride and, Pride and Prejudice. And I, did, I, I did a little weep. She, yeah, she was like doing a little happy dance while you were chatting there. Um, she's she's the, the Austin head and I have never read Jane Austen, so she hates me. So thanks for just like pouring some salt right in yeah. that wound. It also has one of the best first lines ever, so it works so well with everything you've just Yeah, read. it does. Allison is unhappy. Yeah, it's one of our most called about books. You'll have to do one back and tell us uh, your story about it. Oh, uh, I have a really good story about that book, so I will. Yeah. yeah. I've um, been I've been trying to think like since uh since we kind of got connected to you, um I've been stressing out about I want to call desperately and then I'm like, "Oh my god, what story's good enough?" And I I've started to wonder like is this how people think like feel when when we ask them to come on our podcast i was like oh is is my favorite book good enough i don't know how to tell it yeah you know what's funny it like i think working on call me ishmael has like made me the least snobby book person ever because like i think some of my favorite calls are about books that like a lot of well-read people would sort of like put their nose up at but like one of our best calls is about twilight and it's so beautiful and it's about this girl who grew up in this um really religious culture and the book would have been like totally sinful and not accepted in her family and so whenever anyone asked what it was about i think there's like an apple on the cover she like said it was about adam and eve or something (laughs) like that's amazing and she like loved this story so much that she had to figure out ways to keep reading it like there's no there's no bad stories and bad calls like you can totally call about anything and I, that, I think that's the thing that we've discovered as well in doing this podcast is that we've like, we've read some great books and the books themselves have been lovely, but the things that have been amazing about those stories is what they've meant to other people and, and the stories that the person who has brought those books to us has given. Yeah. It's not just about the plot and the narrative. It's actually about what it's meant to that person. And like you say, that can be any any book. It doesn't have to be your, you know one of the, the greats or the classics or something that your, your theoretical academics are well no one's picked a classic like no one's picked any of those books they've just put books that have meant something to them and that's been really cool yeah what's the most um surprising book somebody's picked like before you um before you had the conversation you're like wait why in the world did they pick this have you had any surprises (laughs) yeah uh (laughs) episode what was it eight grinny grinny yeah (laughs) uh i love that we both yeah we just this is an obvious answer so uh I, i don't know if you've listened to that episode yet it's it's a treasure um it is a book by an author called Nicholas Fisk. It's a tiny, what is it, like a hundred and something pages. Yes, less than that, I think. It's like a children's science fiction story about this like grandmother character that shows up 
uh, just like, oh, don't you remember me? Like, I'm your great aunt Emma. Like, you remember me, don't you? And all the adults just comply, but the kids are like curious about her and she turns out to be like an the alien. Alien robot thing. Yeah. yeah. It, it was just like the most bizarre thing, but it, honestly, I think it was one of the it's most entertaining episodes. The both of us, when we <laughs> fa- when that, uh, Mark, the guest, was like, I'm going to do Grinny, we both sort of looked it up and I'm like, what the... What on earth is this book that we have to read? And both, you know, sort of both casually read. We both absolutely loved it, but it arrived in my doorstep and from the front cover, I was like, what on earth is this? And yet we ended up having conversations about feminism and about how, like, how adults don't take children seriously. And and it's like... Bizarre. It It was was really fascinating. But that's the great thing about, about books and discovering books from other people, I think. Because, um, yeah, you'd like, and like your example of Twilight as well, I think that's, it yeah. gives that book some, a whole other level that you wouldn't normally expect it to have. Yeah, and especially now, you know, everybody's attention is so divided and so in demand by a million things. Like, I'm sure you guys hear what I hear a lot, which is that people used to be really big readers and love reading, and they just don't have time anymore, or they're too mm-hmm. distracted, or it's too hard to be away from their phone. Like, people you know, really have to make an effort if they want to read. And I think that it's interesting because people, like, get apologetic about what they're reading. Like, oh, I'm only reading yeah. a beach read or something easy. And I'm like, that's great. You, like, made time to, like, read words that somebody thought about and put down <laughs> on a page and made a story. Like, there's, I mean, as long as you're not hurting anybody with what you're, ri- you're reading, I think uh, there's no such thing as an embarrassing book. Yeah, and, and this this brings me on to something that I was thinking about earlier and especially when looking at Call Me Ishmael because I remember years ago when I was studying people having that conversation about are books going to go the same way as CDs are we going to stop reading are we do we are we just not making time because everyone's so fixed to their phones and you know the digital world doesn't really accommodate the, the paperback slash hardback threw that in for you um <laughs> but actually I think something that is from from what I see is that technology and the digital world and social media has allowed people to have more conversations about books and they're coming to books in different ways, which is exactly what you've done by creating that space for people to share their love of books and using technology to do that. Um, and I guess I'm wondering if that's something that you've seen on this journey that you've been on, whether having that, having technology and has allowed you to create more conversations and bring new audiences to books. Yeah, absolutely. And like, not only the conversations in the communities about books being everywhere. Like, I mean, I'm on Reddit threads about specific authors and people that love them as much as I do. Like, you would never have been able to find that 10, 20 years ago. Um, But not only the community aspect of it, but also the availability of books. Like, I remember I got um, a Kindle for Christmas, like the first year that they came out, and I was like, so appalled by it like I never used it I was like such a snob and now it's like it's not where I do all of my reading but like I think it's great that for some people who just really need to have something in their pocket and need to be able to read in the dark or at the beach or wherever a book isn't available and same thing with audiobooks like just that there are all these different ways to get stories and to get great literature is uh, certainly more of a benefit than I think the distraction takes away from it yeah I agree I actually um I had to listen to your book uh as an audiobook because I ordered it and I I splurged I splurged on the hardback (laughs) and it got lost in the post oh no 
And I was like, oh, my God, I have to read this book. Like, it has to arrive. And I was like, you know, emailing with the bookshop, like, no, I need this book. Like, I'm on a deadline to read this. And they're probably like, what deadline exists for you to read this book? So I had to, like, sign up for Audible and, like, get it just so I could I, I needed to ingest it. So this is the first audiobook I've listened to in a million years. Yeah. And it was really strange. Uh, thankfully, like, really well recorded. I really yeah. actually liked the, the yeah, woman that read I, it. Yeah, I did as well. I half and halfed it. I half audioed and half read, which I really enjoyed. I, I'm i not normally an audiobook person, but I got really into it with The Testaments because I refused to le- read the hardback, so I had to get it on audio. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but I loved it then, and I found it such a beautiful way of, connecting with a novel um so i half audio this and half read it and i i really enjoyed it as that experience and it means i can literally walk down the street listening to a book yeah so i'm I'm never far away from reading which is awesome yeah i definitely was able to get through it quicker i you know had it on while i was in the shower while i was doing my makeup like getting ready in the morning uh whereas normally i just read on the commute so i I bought myself a little more time (laughs) thank gosh um were there different voices or a single narrator throughout single narrator but she did some different voices but not in an annoying way which was because I think it's very simple to go into doing caricatures accidentally Mm. um yeah so she she did voices for the characters it was read a little bit slowly for me so I I had to speed it up to like (laughs) 1.5 because I'm quite a quick reader so I was like come on keep going next chapter (laughs) (laughs) so I had to keep stopping and then like reading four chapters ahead at my normal speed and then going back um, but it was a nice, it was, it was nicely done, I thought. Yeah, it was really good. Here's the thing that my partner and I always uh, fight over, though. This is like our paperback hardback <laughs> uh, version of what <laughs> you guys have. Is, does it count as reading if you listen to the audiobook? Like, do you say, I read the book? This so is... wasn't there a study recently that, um, like, literally, I remember, because I, I previously would have thought you can't say you read it if you listen to it. I'm very much like you're reading the book or you're not. But I read this study recently that was saying like for the brain, it's exactly the same experience, whether you're listening to it or reading it. So the brain doesn't care. You'll get the way that you're getting information, your brain is dealing with it in exactly the same way. So you can say you've read it if you've listened to it. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think I see this come up online all the time um, because I'm in a lot of different like reading Facebook groups um, and a lot of people are like doing challenges you know the Goodreads challenge or the the pop sugar challenge all the all the annual reading challenges and they're like oh well does it count if I read it it's like well or listen to it rather but for me it's like you're ingesting the same amount of content yeah. you're ingesting the same story your imagination is it's not like you know Netflix binging the TV show based on the book it's the exact same content so for me I would have to say that yeah it counts as reading which team are you on? Or have we just like shot ourselves in the foot? No, no, I'm like reformed. I think I've like in my old age become just like everything counts. Yay for stories. But I used to be, I still like if I listen to something, I say I listen to it on audiobook. Like I have a hard time with like saying you read an audiobook because of what right. yeah. I think I do. I would say I, I audiobooked it. Yeah. I think I, I would, listened yeah. to it. Yeah. I don't know if I would say it. I don't think I said about it. Well, until like literally this book, I haven't, yeah. I haven't had the opportunity to make that decision because I, yeah, I never I think do. I, I think the last two that I've done that with, I've said I listened to the audio. Yeah. Because um, for me, I find it, I, I find if my brain thinks it's the same, but I definitely find it a slightly different experience. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then going back to our conversation about technology, like there's so many ways to get free audiobooks from your library, like on apps too. That's like been the biggest saver of my budget this year is like renting (laughs) audiobooks. Amen to that. (laughs) Um, Well, since we're talking about uh, formats, I think we should probably ask you uh, the question that you uh, clearly are prepared for, um, which is, uh, or perhaps it's team audiobook, who knows, but would you consider yourself on team paper or team plinth? Well, I changed my mind about it several times in the last couple days, so I feel like I have to start by saying, like, I'm not, like, a diehard of either, which is sort of a cop-out. But um, (laughs) where I think I've landed or I guess where I woke up feeling today is that (laughs) I love hardbacks for, um, one, how they look on a shelf shallowly. And um, two, mostly the reason I love hardbacks is that they are the best way to support working authors. Like just that's the best way to support somebody's career who's um, trying to tell stories in the publishing world. But in terms of, like, what I want to always have on me, it's it's got to be paperback. Okay. Yeah. I'm not even mad. Okay. <laughs> I think that's, that's reasonable. I actually I think what we're getting, what we're, what we're <laughs> learning from this is most people actually are quite similar in terms of what people want to carry around and read is paper. Mm-hmm. And what people want on their shelf. For posterity. For posterity. And what they want to gift because it looks good and it feels is yeah is hard like, like that's come up quite a bit yeah, yeah but there, for some reason i always find that paperbacks feel more personal like they get worn in yeah. so quickly like they break a little bit in a good way like i always feel like a hardback doesn't so even right. seem like mine is that what yeah you're... i totally agree i think you might have just hit the nail on the head for why because i will get even like when I came in today, I said, you've got to feel this book. Because mm. the way that it felt in my hand was really, I really enjoyed holding yeah. it. Yeah. And I felt connected to it. And I find, and I think that's something I find really difficult with, with hardbacks. Because I don't, I don't feel it. It feels, I don't feel like it's connecting to my body. Yeah. If it's a more formal reading experience, which can be good. Yeah. I actually weirdly love reading classics in hardback. Like whenever I reread something that, you know, like I had to read in school, like I love having like a good sturdy copy of it. There's something psychological probably going on there. But. You feel really important. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't try to pretend it's anything other than my own like need to look very smart and important uh, as to why I love that they look gorgeous and they feel important and therefore by proxy I feel important (laughs) when I'm reading them so yeah I realize that most of my argument is superficial no I respect it's my argument and I'm sticking to it and you know I guess this was one for you Beck but like team plinth is has come up strong You've been doing in the winter right. months. Yeah, the winter months. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, is when you seasonable? want to sit by a fire and read a hardback <laughs> yeah. on a nice fluffy rug. That's that's the image on the front of a Christmas card. Yeah. Someone next to a fireplace reading. Reading like a leather-bound a Christmas bound carol, leather-bound, yeah. Yes, 100%. <laughs> if you're like Beck and I, you rarely leave the house without a book. But tossing your read in your bag can lead to heartbreaking wear and tear. Enter BookBo. Water and stain resistant and available in four different sizes, BookBo is the best sleeve for protecting your books and making them look beautiful. For a limited time, your own words listeners get 20% off at bookbo.com with promo code YAOPOD. Protect your books! 
That's B-O-O-K-B-E-A-U.com, promo code Y-O-W-P-O-D. All right. Okay. You know, now that the question's been answered, uh, I suppose we should talk about the book that you chose today. And so we were stalking you a little on your website uh, before, and I noticed I didn't see this book on your shelf. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, I guess, the story itself, if you want to just kind of uh, give listeners a bit of your own kind of synopsis of what this book is about, um, and then kind of tell us how you discovered it and what it means to you and why why you chose it gosh I like can't even talk about this book without crying like I have like I cry I cry at a lot of things this book made me cry so hard at the end I like can't I'm still like emotionally processing it um so the immortalists by Chloe Benjamin is a novel um that starts out with these four siblings um there's two sisters and two brothers the oldest sister is 13 and Um, They're growing up in New York City on the Lower East Side in um, the year 1969, where this book opens. And they sort of hear through the neighborhood that there's this woman, this sort of like mystical, psychic, gypsy kind of woman who can tell the future. And they don't really know what that means, but they decide on this like sort of lazy summer day to pool their allowances together and go find this woman and see what she can tell them. And so basically in the opening pages of the book, um, they go in one at a time and this woman tells them each the exact date that they're going to die. And so the story is really about a family at its core, but it's also about, you know, what do each of them do with this knowledge? Do they believe in it? Uh, Do her predictions for each of their deaths uh, come out to be true? Uh, Do they share their date with each other? Do they keep it hidden? And... There were just so many themes. It's one, uh, The reason that I really loved this book and was excited to talk to you guys about it is that it's one of those things where the more I think about it, the more it sort of uh, unveils itself to me. Like I keep discovering new things that were going on there. I just, I think it's really masterful. It's great storytelling and um, it's just really about human connection and family. Yeah, there were, we were talking about it before we rang you today and just, you know, there's so many things going on in this book. I think we both just from you know reading the the back and we obviously because we you know kind of uh, had to uh, read it had to read it quite quickly um we just kind of dove in and I, I think we both kind of you know messaged each other and said whoa this is not what i was expecting yeah. you know reading kind of simon's part the first brother's yeah. part we were just like whoa, whoa this is i thought this was going to be a story about four kids and yeah. then it it turns into something else and then it transforms again and again and again and there's political you know side stories there's racial things there's religious things there's so many things going on that like we could be here for two days kind of trying to pick it all apart um but it was really impactful in that way because it managed to touch on all these different side stories without without getting lost um if that makes sense like you still kind of followed the line through but you you kind of got glimpses into all of these different things going on as well which was um, I agree, as you said, masterful. I think it was, it's, I can't imagine like how this story was formed in this writer's head I kept thinking and came that. out this way. Yeah, like um, how did she pull this off? Like there's so much going on and it's so elegant and it has a really great pace. I finished it in about two days. I couldn't put it down and it's not, 
suspenseful. It's not like a thriller page turner, but it was just so beautiful and really captivated me the whole way through. It's like really excellent craftsmanship. Yeah, I, I really liked how exactly that, like it didn't feel, I didn't feel like it was tense or dramatic, although it was very emotional, but it felt very real. The connections, the people, life felt very real. I didn't feel like it was dramatized in any way to get an emotional response. The things which were, the moments that I cried and the things which felt very impactful to me were just what life was, just how life is. It was the struggle of, of love and death and relationships and people and coming to terms with yourself and coming to terms with yourself within connections with other people. And it was all just very real life. And I think that's why it felt so deep and powerful in those moments where there was struggle or there was challenge or there was loss or anything else because it wasn't it didn't feel dramatic like it didn't feel like a soap opera when it was like here's a really big climactic storyline it was just this is just life and this is how it played out yeah, yeah. and I I really like too I um I don't know if you guys have siblings but I'm uh the eldest of three sisters and like anything that's about like birth order and how people fit into the family dynamic, I'm like totally captivated by. And I thought um, that whole element was really, um, really intriguing and really like delicately handled too. just how each of these siblings sort of saw themselves in relation to, you know, not only their one-on-one -on -one relationships with their brothers and sisters, but like how they fit in when the group was together. Really yeah. excellent. Yeah, definitely. And how, um, that especially I think with Simon and Clara and their their relationship was very like they reach us best friend there was that line we said how am I, am I ever going to meet anyone that I love more than you um mm. which I was just like it was used so well throughout yeah the book. like <laughs> Alison's crying now uh, <laughs> it was just so powerful so simple and I have an older brother and, and he is my best friend and I I have definitely grew up feeling exactly the same way where how am I ever going to meet anyone that is my best friend in the same way that you are and how they go on that journey of life together and again it's it's simple and it's realistic and it's not over the top and that made it so much more powerful for me that relationship of siblinghood and friendship yeah and also that each of so the um the book is broken up into chapters based on yeah. which of the sibling stories it's telling and just how like distinct each of those pieces felt like Clara's is like you know cinematic it was like this beautiful rich storytelling and uh she does work as a, a magician and everything was um so visual and vivid and then going into um like simon's life where he's in san francisco and there's this grittiness to it and also this freedom and exploration like they all just felt like really distinct um almost like miniature stories within the story yeah it was very punchy like there were bits, I think, at the same bit we got to, and we're like, oh, this, the language in this book has taken a turn that I was not expecting. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was one minute with the kids, and then the next minute just sort of describing Simon's life. And I was like, well, I was not expecting this. But it felt, again, really authentic. And it, I think it could have very easily felt a bit sort of cheesy or, mm. like, bad erotica. Like, it felt really authentic and really beautiful in lots of ways. Here's a weird question that I the book made me think about. Um, you know, you always sort of like wonder, like if you could know how your life ends or when it ends, would you? And I guess I've been wondering if the book like made me think about that differently. Did it make you 
want to yeah. know. Yeah, we, we were going to ask you we the were same ask thing. You that. <laughs> we, we literally had, I asked Alison that when um, we got here. And I think yeah. exactly like you say as well, the, those relationships between the siblings and how they um, let each other know that information was really interesting to me. Because I, I, I don't, yeah, what we were saying earlier, like if I was going to, if my date was in two days time, what would I do? I'd probably just sort of get drunk and hang out with the cats. <laughs> you know, wait, waste the last couple of days. And then if I had a really long time, I think I'd maybe sort of feel like, God, I've got a lot of time to fill in my life. What yeah. am I going to do with it? Um, yeah, I don't know if I'd want to know. And I don't know if I'd share it if I did know, because then I'd feel like other people then, I think what came out in this book was that the, like Clara or those that knew the date of their siblings felt a real sort of what's the word like they felt obliged to protect that person for the rest of their time or to give that person that time and they it like they turned their relationship almost into their being um obviously they would care for each other anyway but that care had more of an authority and a more of an obligation around it but she knew that Simon was going to die young so she wanted to give him his life so that changed the dynamic of their relationship I think and I don't think I'd want to do that I don't know if I would want to know. Part of me thinks I would want to know just because I feel like I'm often guilty of procrastinating to like an (laughs) insane degree. (laughs) And maybe if I knew that the... step your game up. Yeah. Maybe I'd like, you know, finally put out that record and I'd finally, (laughs) you know, clean my flat or something. (laughs) If If I knew that like there was... And obviously we all know that, you know time is you know our lives are finite we are going to die (laughs) breaking news uh (laughs) spoiler alert we are all going to die at some point but um i think if you maybe had that knowledge of like the date and it was suddenly you know not just like oh yeah i'll get around to it like that doesn't become something you can say anymore um i'm curious about that and yeah at the same time i think i'd be terrified to to know the answer i think maybe the mystery is a little bit less yeah. frightening i think we all like to think even though obviously we do know that we're going to die that we're going to be here forever or we're going to like or you know 60 70 80 years feels like a long time so it feels like we've got ages mm. so i don't have to clean the house till tomorrow like <laughs> <laughs> whereas if you and if you found out that your date was 60 70 80 you'd probably still feel very similarly and, I, and maybe it wouldn't change things so much but if you found out that maybe you've got five or ten years left would it would it bring out some sort of eagerness to make your life mean mean something something in a way which felt very tangible tangible to you now um i don't know i'm very lazy so (laughs) (laughs) but it's funny too right because i don't think this is a spoiler it's in the first chapter but um one of the sisters varia gets told she's going to have a really long life, live into her 80s, and she actually becomes the character that is, like, crippled by worry and anxiety. And so it's almost like, uh, you know, what you do with that information, even if you know for sure you're going to live a very long life, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily change the quality of life. Like, that's still something that you have to grapple with no matter how long you're here. Yeah. Yeah, I think this book is a good example of where ignorance is bliss. Because <laughs> life has its burdens, it like it always will. Like it, there's there's a lot for people to manage and challenge and and work through and find out. But if you're literally told this is the burden of your life, then I think that changes mm-hmm. who you are. 
you know, those burdens don't stop being there, will start being there in different ways. Like there will always be suffering, there will always be illness, there will always be germs and whatever else that Vary is scared of. <laughs> but like, if you're literally told like, these are the burdens that you have in your life and this is how long you've got to deal with them, then that changes you. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean that life change your life may very well be the same in terms of your work and your studies and the person you end up being. But we, that we have the ignorance to not pay attention to every molecule moment of that and how it's impacting us and that is probably a, quite a nice place for human beings to be yeah yeah shit <laughs> <laughs> um how what what about you do you think you would want to know well I sort of like finished the book and was like oh I wouldn't want to know but the more I think about it I always want to know everything so I think if it really mm -hmm. came down to it and someone was like I have it the day on a piece of paper I'd probably want to know but I don't think I would like change very much like I'd probably like eat some more junk food but other than that yeah. like <laughs> which I think is a good sign that like life <laughs> is in a good spot. Yeah you're, you're on the right path. Yeah I gotta know. Stuff. I mean, I don't like surprises, as we know. So yeah, yeah. Um, I may, I probably would. If someone just like, here's the date, I'm like, cool. Because if I wake up and I die, I'm going to be like, holy shit, I did not see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to like that. <laughs> I'd be really sad my whole death if it was a surprise. Aww. So yeah, maybe I would. I would want to know. But I don't think I'd tell other people because I think other people would feel yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah, like I would be more worried about like other people reacting badly yeah. to that information than me reacting badly. Fair point. Um, how, how did you come upon this book? How did you discover it? You know, I was at a bookstore. It had, like, been on my radar. Like, I don't, I didn't know anybody who had read it, but I just, like, I think because the cover is really captivating, like, I just kind of, like, seen it in bookstores. And then um, I was traveling recently. I was in San Diego in California, and it was just, like, featured on a prominent table and I had finished my vacation book and sort of did an impulse buy nice oh, good impulse buy yeah did you guys so did you guys like the book in the end was it oh yeah loved it yeah oh absolutely really, really loved it I think we were both very surprised by it because yeah neither of us had ever heard of it um <clears throat> which obviously is not the first but most of the books yeah, we've done on this podcast true. we haven't so we're like oh great we're super well read yeah. um but yeah so we and and you know like I said earlier the synopsis I don't think did the story justice yeah. although what synopsis could with a story that has so, so many much. stories um so I think yeah we were both it was definitely not what we were expecting mm -hmm. and I love it when a book kind of blindsides you like that um so I really enjoyed it I I loved it there were moments I've i found Simon's story incredibly powerful and I thought um, I know that she did a lot of research into making sure that she was sort of getting the historical accuracies like bang on but I thought that love story between Simon and Robert I thought that was really beautiful and I thought that she uh, portrayed the struggle of that relationship really well and I just found that whole section very touching and especially that it was um a mixed race lgbt relationship and it was you know at, at the time when aids was just really like literally knocking people down and it was it, it it felt beautiful i thought that she had the emotion between those people absolutely bang on and i felt it very much and it was very 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 touching so we we generally ask i do have a few more questions about call me ishmael but um 
as far as this book goes, who would you recommend this book to and why? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think it's just a great story. And I think if you're in a time in your life where you're just thinking about big questions, I think that this book is a really great meditation on them. And it'll sort of like unveil itself to you whether you're like exploring religion or death or life or family or love like there's just these huge themes represented in so many powerful and subtle minute ways that um if you're just looking for something that's a good story but also has a healthy dose of philosophy i think that's who's in the right mindset for it um but also, I just, like I said, I sort my read of it was just really heavily into family and family dynamics. So I think if you're um, anybody who enjoys stories about family or comes from a big family, uh, will find something uh, entertaining and heartbreaking in this book. What was the um, moment in the book or the, 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 I guess, the most heartbreaking moment in the book for you? Oh, or a moment maybe that you just thought, uh well, there's this quote uh, that I'll share with you guys a little bit later that just, like, tears streaming down my face. Like, my husband was in the room. He looked at me. He's like, are you okay? Like, I was just, like, <laughs> lost it. Um, but I think um, – gosh, I mean, I think there was something to sort of, like, love about every one of the characters. They're all far from perfect, but um, – to me, the one that I had like the most compassion for was Clara's story just really resonated with me in a million different ways. So I think um, the end of her chapter, which I don't want to um, spoil mm. at all, just because yeah. it was it was one of the most surprising parts of the book. Like you think, you know, um, what's going on with her story. And I thought that was just a total twist. Did you guys see that coming? No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And we both again before with like Clara was, I think, both got to both of us more than any yeah any other character. i didn't expect to like her at first i found her i was just like oh magician like what like i don't <laughs> i don't connect to this on any level but uh but yeah as we dove into her story i definitely kind of felt yeah. so many so many little connectors there that um that really kind of kind of made her the standout character yeah. for me as well and i think made the ending even more powerful as well um just that they, that those literally last three sentences <laughs> i was like oh clara yeah <laughs> Um, so I think that's the part that like really bust my heart open and also like her relationship too and the things that she struggled with and yeah. uh, I think that whole section I'll probably go back and reread because I really can't stop thinking about that part yeah um so what was the quote that you chose oh uh, gosh I'm gonna cry this is the part that really killed me so we always cry at these bits oh god a, a lot of us in tears Okay, so this is uh, one of the last few pages of the book. Um, and it goes, What do you want, Luke asked her. And if Varya had answered him honestly, she would have said this. To go back to the beginning, she would tell her 13-year-old self not to visit the woman. To her 25-year-old self, find Simon, forgive him. She would tell herself to take care of Clara, to sign up for J-Date, to stop the nurse before she took the baby out of Varya's arms. She'd tell herself she would die, she would die, they all would. She would tell herself to pay attention to the smell of Clara's hair, the feel of Daniel's arms as he reached down to hug her. Simon's stubby thumbs. My God, their hands, all of them. Clara's hummingbird quick. Daniel, slender and restless. She'd tell herself that what she really wanted was not to live forever, but to stop worrying. 
What if I changed, she had asked the fortune teller all those years ago, sure that the knowledge could save her from bad luck and tragedy. Most people don't, the woman said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Can <laughs> um, we just hang up on you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that is a really good summation, actually, of, of what that what the novel is about. Yeah. It's... That's the underlying yeah. question, and, and it's a, yeah, yeah, family, love, regret. And pay attention to your life, yeah. I think, is maybe the overarching thing. Pay attention to the people in it. Pay attention to who they are and what they are and what they mean, and connect with that, and everything else is kind of irrelevant, isn't it? Oh, that's a really sad book. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I, I do want to thank you for sharing this book with us. Um, yeah, I don't think I would have found this no. book. I, and I'm so glad that I... And this is, a, again, we say every time, the great thing about this, this podcast, even though we do have piles of our own books to read, but I don't think I would have found this book. And I'm very... I absolutely loved it, and I was not expecting to. So oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. Thank you for taking it's, the time to read it. I'm, great. like, thrilled to have somebody to talk about it with. I've, like, shoved it on all my friends, and they haven't finished it yet. <laughs> Aha! We win, friends. Um, well, just to... And just to bring it back, because I do kind of want to... Normally, we kind of finish there, but um, because you're up to such a really interesting project, I kind of want to tie it back. Um, to that, um, you know, yeah, we keep being surprised um, and delighted by these uh, books recommended to us by our guests. Um, is there one or two books in particular that, you know, you've discovered through Call Me Ishmael and your project that like have really kind of blown you away? Totally. Um, that's like my version of um, like having to read for guests, but we get calls about <laughs> books that I've never heard of all the time. And so uh, that's where... I choose most of my reading from, but I just finished, I thought I had found my, I think The Immortalist is my favorite book of this year, but up until that, about a month ago, I finished this book that I thought was going to be my favorite called The Art of Fielding by Chad Harbach. You guys heard of that one? Never heard of it. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Another one to add to our pile. This has been great. (laughs) Oh gosh. It was so excellent. I love, um, stories about sports like good novels about a sport and this one's about baseball and I also love baseball but it was just um really epic and really good storytelling and really fun to read and also really beautiful but um it was one of actually the first calls we got from the project years ago and like I bought the book right away but just it was sort it's like a good seven or eight hundred pages like it's just big and so I kind of kept putting it off but it like you'll fly through it but um, the call that we got is this girl talking about the best date that she ever went on. Wow. And she's like, I went on one date with this guy. It wasn't going anywhere, but it was the best date of my life. He picked me up and he was like, all right, we're going to a bookstore. You choose a book for me to read and I'll choose a book for you to read. Ugh. And she was like, yeah. And I chose that book for him and uh, he chose this other book for me. But I just really loved being able to give this book that I love to somebody. And even though we never talked again, just knowing that he was out there reading it. Isn't that great? That's very cool. Um, I want to write like a fan fiction about this story. I know. And like, where is that guy? Like, who uh, who else has he taken on this date? Yeah. Yep. Oh my God, that's such a good point. Can we find all of the dates that he's been on and find the books <laughs> and then read those books and then bring all those people together? Oh, yes. If the guy that read uh, 
the art of fielding is listening to this podcast get in touch get in touch yeah, get in touch man. <laughs> we're gonna have a special episode yes that's so cool that's why i love books that is and actually one of my favorite books extremely loud incredibly close was given to me by a friend someone that became one of my best friends but i met him in a bookshop and we got into an argument about charles dickens and he said you've got to read this book it's amazing and every time I pass that book on to someone, I think about him in that bookshop. And there's just something lovely about the fact that p- something that you have loved came from someone and has been passed on. And wherever that person is in the world, you have a connection to them through that book. Totally. Yeah. yeah. The story we get, there are like a couple of different themes we see in the calls. Like we get new surprising ones all the time, but like really common ones are like books that you got or gave as a gift. Like people always have a good story around those. Um, the book that like someone was forced to read for school that they ended up <laughs> loving is like a really common one. And then um, people often call about like the book that made them fall in love with reading, just like the first thing that made you like, oh, this is actually great and really fun and my imagination's working in a different way. Like people always remember what that like first book they really loved was. What, what was your book that made you fall in love with reading? Mm, I think mine was Little Women. I remember reading Little yeah, Women. Nice. I, I mean, I don't know. I also sort of like grew up a reader, so I'm sure it was like whatever picture book my mom was reading out <laughs> loud to me, like actually. But like Little Women was the first book I remember just like being by myself and just sort of having like imagination going and feeling like I was like in a secret secret club with these characters that I loved. Yeah. And so what? So okay. So Call Me Ishmael started as a website. Uh, and like a YouTube channel. Now you've got physical phones. Mm-hmm. Where? How many phones are out there? Like, where do they live? Um, they live in libraries and bookstores and schools mostly. But we have a couple in like other artistic and literary spaces. There's a few in museums and uh, one in like a theater center. Um, but yeah, basically the project just always felt really physical like one of the things I do for the project is like go through the inbox every day and like catalog all of the calls that we get in and like just hearing people's voices and their breath and their accents and the way that they sort of like pause and giggle when they're nervous about leaving a message like it just feels like this really tangible human thing and also that it's anonymous and you can you like sort of play this game of like trying to like guess where they're from or what they look like or how old they are and so it always just felt like something that should be physical not just watching a youtube channel so um we kind of came up with this concept of um having the calls exist in literary places like bookstores and libraries so um we got these like replica rotary pay phones and actually hacked them so that when you pick them up pick up the receiver and dial a button you hear one of the stories somebody talking about a book that they love and so we actually rent those out to um mostly libraries and bookstores and schools but like i said they pop up in some other places too and so essentially if like a bookstore has one of those they can load it up with stories about a visiting author or their staff picks or um, calls that their customers leave and it's just kind of a cool way for a community to share books in a physical space 
I absolutely love it. Is it, are they just in the U.S. right now, or do you have any that have kind of traveled a bit further out? They are in the U.S. right now, but um, next year I think we're going to get into a spot in Paris and a spot in Oxford, so maybe you guys will have to help me think about... dropping one off in London when I think I'm going to go physically install them just because we've never put one in another country. So I want to make sure they like get set up. Okay. Um, That's so cool. That'll be my little literary European holiday. Amazing. Um, and so what is next for Call Me Ishmael? There is a book in the works? There is. Yeah. So we um, are working on a book. We have uh, a first draft of it due um, sooner than I like to think about. <laughs> <But> we, um, <laughs> we um put together this really fun sort of playful concept um, and we're putting it out with this publisher we really love, Avid Reader Press. And um, basically, do you guys remember like telephone directories, like the yellow pages? (laughs) Some people don't. Yes, we are old enough. Yeah, (laughs) same here. Um, So we're basically making the Call Me Ishmael phone book. So it's going to be... That's so cool. Yeah, it's going to be this listing of um, all of the numbers in it are going to be real working phone numbers. So if you call them on any phone, you'll hear someone talk about a book that they love. And so it's going to be a catalog of all of our favorite calls. Plus, like, some literary tourism and some sort of, like, fun literary Easter egg type things. And it's exciting. i got to be honest. I kind of hate you. Yeah. We <laughs> didn't come up with this idea. We were like, ooh, we're in the pub. Oh, we're going to come up with a podcast. And you and your partner have just made us fools. <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys are, are doing great stuff. And uh, you can be, uh, I think there's clearly, like, a club for pub ideas that we'll have to all start together team pub team pub yeah when you come over to install (laughs) we will will take you to the pub with our our idea it's actually called the library yeah the pub is called the library so we have to take you there when you're in town and likewise we'll uh take you to our spot do you guys get to new york uh no but i love new york so uh we'll be on the next flight excellent (laughs) we'll we'll take you out to new york oh god no no more flights for a minute Oh, my God. Oh, okay, Steph, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for chatting to us. Thank you for um, having me. It's so great. Yeah, we, we've loved it. We've loved every minute of it. Um, do you want to tell our listeners how they can get involved with Call Me Ishmael and, like, where they can find you online? Yes, thanks. Um, so our everything lives at callmeishmael.com, so if you just kind of want to learn more about the project. But um, anybody can actually call and leave an anonymous voice message about a book that they love. So there's two ways you can call in. Um, if you're in the U.S. or uh, want to call a U.S. number, uh, the line is one seven seven four three two five zero five zero three, and that goes straight to voicemail. And just at the beep, you leave a message, start talking about a book. And then if you're outside of the U.S., um, you can actually Skype us at Calling Ishmael, C-A-L-L-I-N-G-I-S-H-M-A-E-L, and that'll get you into our voicemail system as well. How long are we allowed to talk about the books for? Because <laughs> I feel like I could be there for several hours. No, uh, we, you could certainly break a record if you left us a several <laughs> hour call, but we would take it. Um, I think, so our, we actually just switched voicemail systems. So you used to get cut off at three minutes, but um, we Ooh. can edit them together if you call back. But I think our new one actually will let you keep going for a bit. So if you, oh, uh, you'll, yeah, if you hit the, if you hit a deadline, uh, you can just call back. I, I can't. Three minutes is not enough time. <laughs> you know, this could be like, 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 hi, it's me again. Just picking up the line up. Anyway, so as I was saying. Do you know what? I think the record for callbacks is like five calls in a row. So that's well, the, the one nice. to be. Okay. You, you might want to like learn how to block 
<laughs> no, we'll take it. And actually, here's the fun part I should have mentioned. Um, if you call before December 15th, um, your call might be in our phone book. Oh, amazing. Where are we now? How long do I have? This episode is going to air before then. So, oh, yes, cool. amazing. Yeah, awesome. Amazing. I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, I've got to figure out my book. I'm. I Now I'm like... I'm amped. Let's do it. I'm just going to start at the top of my bookshelf and I'll work all the way through. So I might be there for some time. Excellent. The phone line's just busy because it's the two of us calling over. No, I love it. And another thing. Amazing. Wow. Oh, well, Seth, thanks so much. This has been such a pleasure chatting to you. Um, We're going to get our calls in and hopefully our listeners will too. Uh, And we can't wait for the book to come out. Thanks, guys. And let me know too. um, I mean, you're certainly welcome to be anonymous, but if you want to let me know which which book you call about, um, I can put those into shareable form too so you can get them on your social channels. Oh, cool. That would be great. Yeah, that's cool. Awesome. Thanks for reading my book, guys. This was so fun. All right. Well, Well... I guess we'll just say bye. Um, Thanks again. This has been awesome. Uh, And uh, enjoy your amazing afternoon in New York. (laughs) Thanks so much, guys. Cheers. Bye. Well, (laughs) what an episode. That was very enjoyable. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, If you want to support the podcast, just jump on Apple Podcasts and please rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Um, And rating and reviewing really helps other people to discover us, which is fantastic. And if you want to come and talk to us about a book um, of any any genre, any style, preferably paperback, um, (laughs) then... (laughs) You can apply on the website yaopod.com. You can tweet us, Instagram us, say hello anywhere you have a preference to do so at yaopod. And join in the discussion on our Facebook group as well. Um, find us on Facebook, chat to Gail. Hi, um, Gail. Hey, Gail. See what's up in there. Uh, and uh, of course, if you would like to financially support the podcast, keep us in books, keep us creating great content, you can become a patron at uh, patreon.com um, where you can support the podcast financially and receive um, fun trinkets and bonus content. Uh, for your patronage so we would love to see you there too um and yeah i guess until next time bye ciao your own words is hosted by allison dunnings and becky graham it is recorded in london at the pitch room in runway east soho theme song by natasha pasternak read along with us at yowpod.com